So, Jesus lived about 33 years on earth. Most of what the Gospels record in his ministry is the final three years. Jesus seemed to spend a lot of time walking around and talking to people about God and repentance and following him. He did all this walking and talking for three whole years. And we only have four short books to cover that time. I wonder, did he just repeat the same stories over and over? The same teachings? Is this why his message to the world could be contained in such small books? Because otherwise, it would just be repetitive. Have you ever wondered if maybe one of his parables didn't quite land with his followers? You know, maybe one of his parables went something like this. The kingdom of heaven is like an onion. It's got layers. Everyone just looked at him confused. And later, Jesus and his father are talking, and God is like, good sermon, son. Hey, remember that onion parable? Yeah, I really like that one. It drove home the point really well. But did you see everyone else? I don't think they got it. What do you say we just let everyone forget that that one ever happened? Then down the road, Matthew is recalling Jesus' teachings about the kingdom of heaven. And the Holy Spirit just fails to remind him of that whole onion one. It just seems like Jesus preached a bunch more sermons than what are recorded in the Gospels. Surely he didn't recycle the same ten sermons for three years or more. That said, today's scripture are, scriptures are a collection of parables. Jesus gave these to us to help us understand the kingdom of heaven. They come from Matthew 13, if you want to turn there. Let's see. Matthew 13, 31 through 35. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. When he told them still another parable, 
The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's planted in the ground, and it works its way through the soil. The roots are watered, and it springs up and grows larger and larger until it's the tallest plant in the garden. There are other plants planted in this garden, other seeds that will become viable plants, perhaps corn and beans, maybe some garlic are thrown in there too. All these other ideologies that are placed throughout the world. But Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is different. And it will be bigger and more grand than all of the others. He compared the kingdom to yeast and how it works its way into bread. Have you ever played with Play-Doh? You know, uh, there were those really cool sets, they probably still make them, where like, you can roll out the dough and uh, you might have a, a stamp or a mold or a press or something that, uh, that allows you to make a hamburger and stack them all up together. Um, or maybe you can decorate it like a cake or whatever. But once you do that, you put them all together, stack them all up, or however you do. If they touch each other, the edges kind of stick together. Have you ever tried to get that apart? You know, like, pick it off? It, it never quite, quite works, does it? Like, you still have a piece of the yellow cheese and the red tomato stuck together. Um... You probably put it with the red because that stronger color uh, won't be so distorted. But it just kind of works its way into it. Eventually, your Play-Doh's going to turn into some color of purple or brown. Um, and then you just got to imagine the colors, let alone imagine that this hamburger you've created is a hamburger. Well, imagine doing that with yeast and bread. I, uh, I know there's a few ingredients in yeast, not many, although I think you can add more. That's about all I know about bread. Flour, yeast, some other things. 
But uh, imagine trying to extract the yeast after it's done its work. I don't. Is it still in there, or is it just air bubbles? I don't know. Well, thank you, Lynn. It dissolves and makes a chemical reaction. Um, I knew that. <laughs> but now uh, the bread's the bread's baked. Is there yeast particles in there, or there's just the proof that it existed, right? In the form of holes, it rose, and uh, you can maybe prove that it didn't exist or was dead. See, I know things um, when it didn't rise, right? Um, but it works its way into the dough, and uh, and well, it it leavens everything, makes the bread softer and more enjoyable to taste. It's an interesting way of looking at the kingdom of God because many times uh, yeast is looked at uh, as a negative thing. Jesus said, "Beware the yeast of the Pharisees." So even sin could work its way into things. But he uh, he shares that yeast is not indeed evil because he compares the kingdom of God to it. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like these things. Mustard seeds and yeast. They may start out small, but they'll prove to become It'll prove to become the greatest of kingdoms. This kingdom may have started in the backwaters of a tiny occupied nation, but now it permeates through nearly every tongue and people group. This kingdom progresses borderless and flagless. Back in May, Jillian and I took a little trip to St. Louis to watch the Cardinals play a baseball game. We weren't actually headed there um, for a baseball game initially. We needed to go to St. Louis and see at what point Jillian can return to sports. And uh, my father-in-law bragged that uh, they were going to go see St. Louis and that the Angels were playing. So Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. A bunch of names that apparently a bunch of people don't know. But uh, uh, they were going to be in town that day. And uh, I happened to look and see Shohei Otani. uh, I think he's lined up to pitch that day. Now, that's a pretty rare coincidence. Um, For one, American League teams don't uh, pitch in the National League very often. A little less often. It's becoming more common with the balanced schedule, but uh, but that's a rarity in itself. That Otani would be pitching the very day that uh, this month's uh, prior scheduled appointment was to be held is is a coincidence. That Jenny would find herself incapable of uh, finding time off of work, so I had to take Jillian instead. Um, That was planning on my part. Um, But also how rotations work. There was only a 50% chance that Otani would uh, be able to pitch um, that day because he needs five days off between outings. It was a 
a miraculous uh, uh, culmination of events. And honestly, maybe once in a lifetime. Like, it's, it's rare to get opportunities like this. Um, so uh, Jenny stepped aside, and we took that chance and saw Otani play. Um, overall, it was an okay outing for him. Um, I did actually, trying to recall the day that we went down there, uh, it turns out that uh, Otani uh, recorded a record 13 strikeouts against the Cardinals. So um, it's good that he showed up for the, uh, on the big stage like that. Um, but, uh, well, why do I bring up Otani? Um, this man that many of you don't have any clue who he is. Well, he's a, he's a Japanese-born sensation. Um, you may know, there's a chance you know him because uh, not only does he pitch uh, like the best in baseball, he is one of the best hitters in the league, and we haven't seen that. Well, I never saw it. I, many of you uh, may have not seen it. There's a chance someone saw uh, Babe Ruth play. Um, really bad, uh, as a five-year-old maybe. But uh, he's doing stuff that uh, that is is the term superfluous. I don't know. Um, that just hasn't been done before, and and it, and it's exceeding what Babe Ruth has done. But he's headed towards free agency this year, and people say that uh, he will probably earn. Uh, more than $500 million in his contract in free agency. Maybe for 10 years, which would be the largest baseball contract of all time. Now, that's nothing I'd shake my, turn my head at, you know. I'd probably take that to play some baseball. But then there's this kid, uh, Killian uh, Mape who has been in the papers recently. And uh, now I don't know how all these postings and whatnot work, but apparently uh, uh, some Saudi Arabian team posted 332 million just to talk to him, to have the right to talk to him to negotiate a contract. And that was to his team, so they paid his team $332 million to, uh, to talk about um, having their player, Mape, play on their team. And uh, he's said to be in uh, contract negotiations. I don't think it's final. Um, at the rate of $776 million. Not for 10 years. For one. This team, uh, all halal, halal or whatever, um, they value this 24-year-old soccer player at $1 billion per year. Now, maybe that's uh, not a big deal either. Elon Musk recently bought Twitter for $44 million million, billion dollars 
$44 billion. How can we really know what these things and these people are worth? I don't even know what a fast food meal is worth anymore. There's a tip jar everywhere. My barber has one of those fancy screens. Um, Don't blame his haircut on me. It's been a while. You know, he rings it up and turns it around right in front of your face. And uh, you insert your card. And uh, then I've got to decide, like, how far to the right or to the left do I place my finger for that tip? With that air of condemnation stooping down over me. I mean, the man literally sets his own prices. Shouldn't that be good enough? Then what do I do about a discount card? I have a discount card by this man. Do I pull it out and say, hey, I got $3 off. How exactly does a tip work after that? I have no clue how much a haircut costs. And if I'm not being asked for a tip, would you like to donate to the children? Would you like to round up for world peace? I thought I was just buying groceries. I didn't know I was making a crucial decision about international relations. I've made my decision. I don't care if my bill is $9.99. I am not rounding up anything. How do we know what anything is worth anymore? My dad used to say that, well, it's only worth what someone's willing to give you for it. After I'd show him a baseball card and say, Dad, this one's worth $5. Seems the more you learn about something, the more you get a perception of its value. My grandma used to listen to classical uh, classical music station uh, on the ride on on car rides when I'd visit. It was fine. I'm not going to blame old people for liking old people music. (laughs) But eventually it grew on me. I learned to recognize Mozart. And later, I learned about him. And that made a difference in the value of the music to me. I do put up with most other classical music if I would listen to it. And I actually, like, I do specifically like Mozart now. But that's something that was built and developed with knowledge and appreciation. We do the same thing with art, which uh, I, I did art in high school, but have no clue why some art is called art. And uh, I just don't know how to appreciate it. Um, Many a young boy gets to an age when they have a car of their dreams. 
He will fantasize about it and make plans to acquire it. And if truly within reach, he'll give just about anything for it. I'm not speaking from experience. My first car was a Buick Park Avenue, more suited for playing Mozart than racing down the roads. But perhaps if I knew that no car was off limits and that all I had to do was give everything, I too might have gone for a flashy vehicle. What if you could have your dream car, though, and simply give everything you have? That's quite the bargain for a 16-year-old. I mean, you can almost smell the thing, can't you? I can, and I drive Toyota minivans. The new car smell, the leather, the gas vapors, the molten tire rubber, whatever people enjoy about their vehicles. Giving everything for the vehicle of your dreams? That's an absolute steal for a 16-year-old. The sky's the limit. Lamborghini, Ferrari, just everything? Matthew thirteen forty four. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus finishes up these parables on this occasion comparing his kingdom to a fishing net. Now, apparently, he uses a different word. Often we think of the ones they spread out, toss out, and collect the fish this way. This, the word he used was for a large trolling net, so it would be spanned probably between multiple boats and taken a big catch of fish. That story is presented here in 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets and threw the bad away. That word bad is actually speaking to the putrid dead fish, not the living fish in there. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and 
gnashing of teeth. The kingdom of heaven, it's like a big mustard tree Jesus was talking about. I've never seen a mustard tree, but apparently there are some. Maybe that video was a mustard tree. I'd never heard of a mustard tree outside of this, but um, but there were some, and they grow big. There may not be a whole lot of stuff initially in that seed, but it works its way into the ground, grows, and pushes up. It keeps drawing from a seemingly unseen resource. There are lots of seeds in the garden. Some may grow corn, some for tomatoes, some radishes, broccoli, potatoes, onions, garlic. But Jesus says that this one seed, the mustard seed, towers over all the rest. That is the way it is with the kingdom of heaven. You may have Marxists or capitalists spring up here and there. You may have communism or democracy sprout all over the all over the globe. You may have Muslims and Christians and Hindus and atheists sprinkled all throughout. But the tallest, the one that will overshadow them all, Jesus says, is the kingdom of heaven. Flags are saluted all over the earth. I know some would like the kingdom of heaven to have a flag to salute. Make it physical. Make it real. Make it something tangible that you can point to and say, see, I'm a part of that. But Jesus didn't make that kind of kingdom. It doesn't have borders. It has no need of armies. It conquers through love. The kingdom of heaven is going to be bigger than them all. And that kingdom is going to permeate through everything. The heavenly kingdom will be spotted everywhere. And it's almost that way now. You can't beat it back with bombs. You can't vote it out of office. It'll continue to reign and grow and grow. Some will pass by that kingdom unaware, and some unwilling. They'll look at those crazy enough to go after it with everything in confusion. Citizenship in the kingdom of heaven is as simple and as hard as turning from everything in your life, both good and bad, to follow Jesus. Your membership card comes in the form of taking your cross daily to follow him. Why give so much for something that's free? And why hesitate to give all for something that's priceless? Would you please stand for our closing prayer? I'm going to ask two things of you this morning. Don't exit your pew until I can slip past you to the back.
And also, if you would like someone to pray with you or talk with you, you can come to the front and I will eventually make my way to meet with you. Or maybe someone else will join you instead. Let's pray. Lord God, you've made us citizens of an invisible kingdom, the most powerful, influential kingdom of the world, with the most powerful, influential leader that has ever been your son. We praise you for allowing us to be a part of this. We hope we can see the true value in things, that everything we might have and cling to in this world is nothing in comparison to citizenship in the next. May you bless us as we go this week. Amen.